0: to overcome nervousness while teaching or lecturing, concentrate on giving out to people rather than on making a good impression. Well, it's, it's widely known that they say that fear of public speaking is a huge uh, concern that many people have. Um, just standing up in front of people. Swami Kriyananda was, uh, when he came to his guru at the age of 22, very soon after he joined the monastery and became a disciple, Master had him lecturing in the, the churches that Master was running in Southern California. And at that time, most of the people who were interested in any of this, any kind of non-mainstream, new thought, new age, Eastern teaching, uh, were usually older, like at least in their forties. So Swamiji was half the age of most of his audience. Young people were few and far between in the congregations at that time. So he was not only himself an an apparent neophyte, although, of course, let me just put this in here. As Swamiji put it really simply, chronological age is the most trivial definition of a person because someone can be highly evolved and highly developed, but they reach the end of their physical incarnation and they die and they reincarnate as a child but the the slate is not wiped off. Your accomplishments are not, you know, just obliterated when you reach the end of an incarnation, because who you are vibrationally, and even what you have learned in terms of talent, I mean, some of it has to be, you have to be reminded again of it, but it's self-evident that some people are born with with tremendous abilities inherent within them, and born often into circumstances that allow those abilities to flower immediately. It's not always true, but it's often true. There's a familiarity because everything that we do records as a vibration in the chakras, and that's the, the astral energy body. And so when the physical body dies, the energy body remains intact and it even has a certain resemblance to whoever we've been physically. We see this acted out in the movies now all the time, which gives us enough of an image. You know, the physical body dies, but the same actor gets up and starts operating through the world. They're just a little translucent, (laughs) but they're still themselves, and that's not an invalid picture. And then they'll hang out in the material world. This is usually the theme. And then at a certain point, a ray of light will come, and the music will start, and then they'll just merge into the light. But all of this is actually quite valid. And we go into an energy universe. The astral world is called, which is the the prototype for this one. This one is based on that one, not that one based on this one. It's a descent. And each of the that's closer to the origin is more true and more vibrant and more expressive, contains more of reality. The material world can, contains the least amount of reality. So when we die and then need to take a physical body because we still have more karma that can only be acted out through a physical body. That energy body is actually, the master said that um, when the sperm and ovum come together, that there's a flash of light in the astral world, and those souls ready to incarnate, who are in tune with that flash of light, rush to get into the womb. And he said sometimes more than one, come in together. Um, I'll just tell you this, because I'm way over here, I'm going to tell you this story. When I told this in a class at some point, um, because what Master makes that sound like, of course, is like a competition, and it sort of is like that. Though Those souls who are in tune rush to, rush to get into that womb. It's, I, I don't know what to think about that picture, but I'm going to go even farther. Master said when Um, a soul is ready to incarnate and he sees a man and a woman who might be good parents to him, and I'm just going to quote, that soul will project erotic thoughts into the room (laughs) to give the soul the opportunity to incarnate. Now I know all children think that their parents deeply prayed and asked before they were born, but those of us who are a little older know that not all pregnancies you know, were so carefully planned. Some of them just like, oh my gosh, look at this, I'm pregnant. Well, Master said, sometimes they wanted to be born to you, and they more or less tricked you into doing it. Again, I'm just telling you interesting anecdotes. I have no basis for saying these. However, this is the story. When I told all of this in a class once, a woman friend of mine came to me, and uh, she said she was so intrigued by what I said, and then she, she said, because her son, when she remembered a conversation she had with her son when he was about five years old. And it was so uh, impressive, she'd never forgotten it. And in the light of what I said, she was fascinated. She said she had had, she disciplined him in some way. And he was, uh, uh, he was quite irate, but she held to her guns. And he stomps off and said, I hate you. You're a terrible mommy like that. And he sort of went off and he was almost to his room where she was sending him, but he felt he had a little more to say. So he turned around and he came back and he folded his arms and he said, you weren't even my first choice. (laughs) And she was so, she didn't know anything about these teachings at that time. She was so interested. She said, well, honey, who was your first choice? He said, a lady in the Philippines, but she was taken (laughs) <laughs> just all of this, like out of the mouths of babes. And then he, he strode off. So she hears me tell this story. But here's the part that just was making her laugh. She said her son is very intelligent, sensitive. She, you know, he, he was a really good man, and she was, he was now almost grown. She, had, she was very supportive, and she liked him. But she said he had a very interesting quality, which is that he would make up his mind to do something, he would be absolutely committed to it, and then just at the last second, he would hesitate and then stop and, wait a minute, wait a minute, let me think about this again. She said she can just see him in the astral world, heading for that lady in the Philippines, but then pausing for just a second to ask whether it was a good idea, while somebody else got into the womb. (laughs) Now, that's how Master explained it, you know, so who knows if it's true or not. So I'm going to come all the way back. So we take our energy pattern into our new body, and we are completely who we've been, everything that we've already accomplished, the, the vibrational power of it is present, which is why mothers will say from conception, a child has a personality. And if, you, if you've been pregnant more than once, which in this lifetime, I haven't, but I believe I've had so many children over so many lifetimes, this is all very familiar to me that you know one baby is not the other baby, and as soon as they're born, they just they're a person. They're not a baby anymore. They can't speak your language yet. They have very little control over their body. They haven't yet mastered all the things that they will eventually master. But the full intelligence, the full vibration of consciousness is there. And if you're sensitive, you can feel it. And then it gradually emerges. So whether you're 20 or 50 or 12 or 3, you're completely yourself. But coming back to this, Swami Kriyananda was 22 years old and just a neophyte an apparent neophyte to these teachings, you know, talking to people who'd been with Master for decades sometimes. And Swami said it would be natural to be nervous, but he it just, being nervous about public speaking was simply not part of his, his uh, psychological makeup. It just wasn't. And he said it was very simple because most people are nervous about speaking um, because they don't want to be thought a fool, as he put it. But he said, um, he just decided that if he was a fool, whether people knew it or not, didn't matter. It was just like he either was or he wasn't. So what difference did it make what people thought of him? And so he was just able to just enter into it and just present himself as he was and let them make up their own mind. Now, of course, that's a level of, of inner strength, and inner self-definition, which was characteristic of Swami Kriyananda, even when he was 22. It's characteristic of him when he was six. It was characteristic of him when he was even a baby. He actually even writes it. It's very interesting in his autobiography, The Path. He writes, he 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 tells us about his family. He tells us sort of who they were and, and what their background was, what the history of his family was a little bit. And he says, uh, I describe this to just give you, a, he said, I came into this world fully myself, is what he said. It's a very interesting phrase. And actually, he was talking about himself, but he was actually talking about all of us. I came into this world fully myself. I don't describe these these circumstances because they made me who I am, but these were the conditions, <clears throat> the people, the influences that I chose to associate with. Isn't that interesting? And it also puts this level of self-determination just right in the front, which is what masters whole story about conception. And I know because of the whole question of um, whether people should be allowed to terminate pregnancies and so on, the whole question of when life begins becomes very um, important. So again, I speak from Master, he said, the moment the sperm and the ovum come together, if, if, if a jiva does not enter at that point, there's no development. A baby develops because a soul has committed to that body. And the energy to form that body, the, the, the forming embryo, the fetus, the person, draws its material resources from, from the mother's body, but the intelligence and the divine will that causes that to happen is because of the presence of the soul so um coming let me let me just get back into this for a moment but it's also and and that soul has its own will and it's imposing its will and it's a relationship and also just because now I'm talking about it um, if there's uncertainty about whether that um Soul is going to be allowed to be born. That's also inherent in the choice that the soul was making. I say that because many people, many women that I know, over the course of many years, have terminated pregnancies when they thought they were doing something other than what they may have decided they were doing later. As the, as you hear things like what Master said about whether or not they're really. Really you really were terminating life, whether you were simply doing a biological shift or whether you were terminating a life. But that soul has total free will and total consciousness and and also makes a decision. It's not a victim, is what I'm trying to say. Circumstances it has karma. And if it tries to be born and is not able to be born, that's the karma it has to face for many reasons. You know what it might be it might be a relationship with the would-be parents that has to play itself out and has to play itself out in this form. It may be something that the soul has to learn um, about appreciating life, for example, you know, it may have been unappreciative of the gift of life, and so therefore has that gift denied you know before the appreciation is really mm, comes back? And the right attitude develops, those are just two out of very, very, very many choices that are made. The end of all of this, because we were supposed to be talking about to overcome nervousness, concentrate on giving, and I will just simply say it in a simple way public speaking is not different than any other part of life. The more we think about ourselves, the more we worry about ourselves, the more we suffer. The more we think about how can I be helpful the more all of a sudden our concentration is on uplifting others rather than worrying about what does everyone think about me. One of the very early spiritual aphorisms I heard, which is, is as true today as it was when I read it in 1966, don't think about yourself and you'll be happy. I thought that was such an oxymoronic, I just didn't know how to go with that because I was always thinking about myself. I was always calculating my own advantage in a situation. As it happened, I was a pretty nice person. And my own advantage just meant to make sure that I got to do the most fun things, you know, that I was just where I I wanted to be and was having fun all the time. It wasn't like I wanted to hurt people or anything like that. But I always knew where I stood in the situation. But after I got onto the spiritual path, I realized that self-forgetfulness is real joy just the self-forgetfulness of the contemplation of the beauty of life and also above all in, in, the, in the giving to others what brings them joy, that's really the greatest joy of all instead of asking what am I getting from this? So quite simply, public speaking is no different than anything else. It's that you, you know, you're here to hear something you're interested in and I have something that I think is interesting to tell you. So let me tell you. One of my friends put it really simply. He says, you're talking to people you like about something you know. My advice to public speakers, and I have been a lot more like Swami, not as free as him, but it hasn't been a major fear in my life. I think it's just too natural to me. But I just say to people who are nervous, I said, just don't ever try to talk about something you don't know. (laughs) As long as you're talking about what you know, then there you are. And if you get beyond yourself, just say, as, even as you heard me do in this one, listen, I'm just repeating what Yogananda said. I don't even, you know, I have no basis for saying this. If you're honest, and just tell people what you know, they don't, you know, they can walk out on you. They don't have to listen. They're only there because they want to be. Sharing with friends, talking to people I like about something I know. And then all nervousness goes away. Swami says, To overcome nervousness while teaching or lecturing, concentrate on giving out to people rather than on making a good impression. God bless you, my friends. Our work is made possible by inspired listeners, so if you feel to support Asha, you can make a one-time donation or, for unique members-only content, subscribe through Patreon. Blessings and thank you.